0: Hello, it's the Campaign Podcast. I'm your host today, Omar Oaks, Campaigns Global Tech Editor. Today, it's International Women's Day this weekend, but have brands gone too far in fighting the good fight for female empowerment? And what about the way women are portrayed as leaders? We speak to one agency that's calling out stereotypes. Also, as if they were listening to our previous episode about flexible working, Mr. President has only gone and made its agency fully flexible for all staff. Is the workplace revolution upon us? All this and more from the world of advertising, media and marketing in this week's Campaign Podcast. Hello, listener, wherever you are today. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, we are here from our pod central in Number 8 studio in London, Soho. Thanks very much to them for hosting us again. And today on the panel, we have Laura jordan Bamback, Chief Creative Officer and Mr. President. Hello. Hello, hey. uh, Laura is a serial entrepreneur who was co-founder of She Says and is now Chief Creative Officer of Mr. President. Um, Laura, why is it called Mr. President?
1: Uh, when we founded the agency uh, seven years ago, almost eight years ago now, we were really keen to leave more of a legacy with our work. I think I was really sick of working in a kind of an industry that makes so much shit to add to the world of shit to be perfectly frank. <laughs> Not you know, good shit, but shit. Yeah, just stuff that's of no value. We make so much stuff now. I think there was something in campaign this week, right, about the number of executions over the last however many years. It's, it's t- gone up sort of six times. Um, and uh, we just wanted to make stuff that, that started to make a difference and a little bit of, left a little bit of good in the world. So um, like president, we want to leave the world a better place than uh, when we started, if you're a good one. Mm.
0: and has the Mr President brand if I can call it that taken a hit in the last few years with certain world leaders who have uh, (laughs) acted in unusual ways
1: no I mean it's definitely a topic of conversation but I think if anything it's allowed us to have a little bit of fun with uh, talking about the president that the world needs, not the one that we have. (laughs) Mm,
0: Indeed. Uh, Also today we have Sarah Tate, Chief Executive of TBWA London, where she appears to be leading a turnaround for the agency. She started her career as a planner, spent a decade at Mother, where she worked her way up to managing director, and in 2017 she was headhunted by friends of the pod, Andy Nairn and Helen Calcraft, of Lucky Generals, and is now at TBWA yeah. Hello, Sarah.
2: Hello, good morning. Good
0: morning. What are you working on? What's, what's the latest in the turnaround of TBWA?
2: There's a lot of biscuit eating happening, not just me personally, but generally in the agency. So, um, uh, McVitie's, we won McVitie's last year and many of their other amazing brands. And we've just been shooting this week. That's so, fantastic. new mm. McVitie's, our first McVitie's work coming out as part of their Team GB sponsorship very shortly, matter of weeks.
0: This is for the Tokyo Olympics. That's right,
2: yeah. How so how can cons-
0: you now you're obviously plugged into this, um doing Olympic sponsorship for a brand. Mm. How concerned are you that coronavirus might affect or not? The Tokyo Olympics. Seems a far way off, but not that long.
1: It
2: does. I think the Olympics said I think the Olympic Committee said yesterday they intend for it to go ahead in some form, even if that's behind closed doors. So I think we just all wait and see. Obviously everyone just is concerned generally around the world that we just look after the most vulnerable people. So all decisions that are taken, I'm sure,
0: will be the right ones. Good. Well, we'll wait and see for that. So first, let's talk about International Women's Day, which is this weekend. And we have a column by our colleague at Campaign, our Creativity and Culture editor, Brittany Kiefer, who has called out what she calls brands who may have gone too far shall we say in bandwagoning off what you know started off as you know a, an effort to empower women in developing countries to to highlight the role of displaced women and working women um in the earliest 20th century um let me just read you guys a bit of what she says she says as I come across yet another purple-tinged campaign reactivation, time for this week, and then fading as quickly as you can recite with a feminist slogan, International Women's Day started to feel like the children's table of holidays. What may have started out innocent enough, with marketers wanting to celebrate women, has devolved into a whirl of hashtagging, bandwagon jumping, and tokenism, clouding the true meaning of this day. Mm-hmm. So you guys are the experts at working with brands, and also, if I may say so, to the industry leaders on empowering women. What do you think, Laura?
1: Um, yeah, look, I tend to agree with Brittany a little bit. I think anything that raises the profile of women and working women and, as you said, displaced women and women uh, in the global south that really, really need our help is is great and and great for brands to you know put their money behind making great stuff happen. But I think the same thing, in a way, has happened with International Women's Day that happens with Pride, that happens with Black History Month, in that there is this kind of tokenistic attitude that we've done women for the year or we've done LGBTQ for the year. Um, Let's move on and and, uh, deal with the normal stuff. Uh, And actually, um, that's the bit that really rubs. Also, International Women's Day is so busy that some of the organisations that are really doing the hard work get drowned out by brands that don't necessarily have you know the the right to be as loud as what they are but they do have the money so i think that those are those are challenges i'm not saying that any of the brands are doing the wrong thing by supporting women far from it but um i think there is more to be done by looking beyond just a, a token in a day
2: yeah, I think I agree. I mean, it's great that, as Laura says, it's great that brands want to raise awareness of it. You know, anything that raises awareness of women's issues and inequality is is always a good thing. I was going to quote a bit of Taylor Swift, actually, but then I thought I'd be more grown up and <laughs> quote a bit of Gloria Steinem. She sort of says, in fact, the International Women's Day a quote, she says, the struggle for equality belongs to no single feminist nor to any organisation, but to the collective effort of everyone who cares about human rights. So, you know, more awareness, more people talking about equality has got to be a good thing. But of course, if you're a brand... Any entering into the space you're obviously entering in because you want to have a bit of the attention a bit of the awareness that reflects well on your brand and ultimately drive sales so you need to do it in a meaningful way exactly not just pink washing or it's like green washing or it's like international women's day washing is that a thing mm. probably mm. now but do something meaningful do something sustained so i think Dog got They got sort of slammed last year because they did a kind of... They did a pink beer, allegedly sort of poking fun at female stereotypes. And for a month, they did 20% of the proceeds for STEM charity. You're like hmm it's just not that thought through it's not that meaningful it's not sustained why a month why not a year so i think there are brands that use the day to launch an initiative which may run for years and years so if you're going to do it as a brand bearing in mind that you are doing it for some advantage to yourself make sure you're doing something sustained and really meaningful and just make you know make it good put some thought into it
0: Mm. and in general, what should brands be aiming for? Should they be aiming to highlight inequality and injustice that women still face today? Or should it be about promoting equality and actually balance? Should it, Which one should it be?
1: I mean, I think it, it depends on the the brand, right? But I would like to see that, that supporting of equality and much more intersectional equality as well. I think that is super important. But But as Sarah said, over a sustained period of time, I'd much rather a brand take a good look at what they're doing and make sure that everything that they do, you know, doesn't fall into stereotypical behaviours. It's supporting the right kinds of people and messages and what have you than to do something that looks a bit cool just just for a day or for a month yeah
2: exactly and
0: and how does it work um reveal to me how it works with um your your clients or clients you've worked with before in terms of you know they've got international women's day do they do they approach you and say we want to do something for this we want to get our brand out there and be assigned to this help us do it or is it more the agency looks for ideas for the brand to do how does it work
2: if anyone uh brought us an idea or we had an idea what we'd always start with is is this true from the core of the business rather than going here's a bandwagon we can jump on so if a business brought us something which was clearly badging they just wanted to get out and show that they are supporting you know pride or supporting international women's day but actually it doesn't run through the business then we wouldn't touch it with with a barge pole and actually this year we haven't done anything for Brands, even though we launched for International Women's Day, even though we launched a big uh, Mm. campaign for Adidas Women in January, because it's actually much more meaningful to do something uh, sustained throughout the year that supports women than just jump on a day. Which is actually this year, we didn't do anything for brands, but we did something for ourselves within Omnicom, because the first thing to make sure, whether it's your own business or a client's business, is do you have your own house in order?
0: Mm. Don't go out
2: and talk to the Mm -hmm. world about you know raising issues and being more equal. Start at home and make sure that you're doing everything. you can as a business as an agency as an employer to create an equal environment for people start there
0: yeah Mm. and uh, we'll get on to um some of the work you've been doing at omnicom in a bit um but i wonder has it become harder to do um what you know to do virtue based advertising if i can call it that aligning to social issues has it become harder in the age of social media where you've got this this really rapid fire response with people calling you out if they don't like the way you've no, done a campaign no it's, it's
1: become it's become different i wouldn't say it's become any harder in fact i would say it's become um Absolutely, uh, it's something that you must, you know, do or consider whether or not it comes through in the, you know, explicitly in the messaging or implicitly in the way that you work. I think, um, you know, it's expected that you're thinking about these things and that you are well aware of the world outside you in a way that maybe it wasn't expected of, of marketers previously. Mm. I think also
2: there's a. It's important that people and brands don't stop trying to. Um, don't stop trying to have a point of view on courses because they're afraid of getting their knuckles yeah. wrapped because you might do, you know, you might do like people will respond to yeah. social media quite quickly and tell you if they think you've got it wrong and the best thing to do is just go, okay, we, we, we learn from it and we kind of move on. I mean, the Female Frontiers Awards last mm-hmm. week, we heard Tag from Gay Times, the CEO of Gay Times talking, saying that even himself he's learning about, you know going into a business where even being gay or being straight is too much of a, you know, it's too Mm. much of a binary thing now. And there's so many, it's such a fluid spectrum in between. Mm. And even gender being male or female, you know, he said, you know, he's a young guy in his 20s leading an incredible business. But he said even he is learning and having to listen to, to people coming up. So I think it's important that, Brands still continue to enter the yeah. debate, yeah. but accept that people will push back on them if they don't get it quite right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I had a similar conversation to Mark Ronickus, and he, you know, is very much, again, of the opinion that sometimes a brand will not get it right. But, you know, we should try to hold back and not not kind of pillory people and to allow those brands to learn and to allow people to learn and that conversation to, to happen so that we all move forward together.
0: Mm. And um, Sarah, as if you read my mind, uh, you preempted my segue into the Female Frontiers Awards. And Sarah and Laura are both winners of this year's Yay! campaign Female Frontiers Awards <laughs> and were awarded last night at our celebration at the Hamyard Hotel in London. And this is to celebrate women who are con- constantly pushing the boundaries with their groundbreaking achievements in marketing, advertising and media and tech. Um what did you did you both attend the awards? I hope you did last night. I wasn't there. We did. We and did uh, did, you, did you have to give a speech? Did we did we did we enforce that upon you?
2: There was no <laughs> speeches. We didn't fall up. We didn't trip up the stairs collecting any awards. So that was a that yeah. was a win. There were some great panels actually as well. And I saw um, obviously Tag from Gay Times took the stage. Mark Evans took the stage. Um, uh, and just actually hearing them as men take the stage is quite a brave mm. thing to do because, it's, you know, it's hard to, to get up in a, sort of fe- in a female event. But actually what they were talking about was going, try something, fuck it, you might get it wrong, but just be brave, stand up, you know, just just try and intervene when you see things that you feel mm-hmm. aren't right and things will change ultimately.
0: Good. OK, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a bit about Stereotypes. Okay, and now, TBWA London has created a campaign which shines a light on outdated stereotypes of female leadership qualities that were previously unwelcomed in the workplace. Those are empathy, vulnerability, kindness and generosity. And this campaign calls for everyone to celebrate these leadership qualities and to bring your stereotype to work to mark this year's International Women's Day. Uh, this campaign was created for omni women u k and allies uh, Sarah um, explain more why have you done this campaign yeah
2: so I mean omni women is an amazing initiative within omnicon which which just it's a great example of sort of starting at home to ensure that you're really creating a, you're walking walking the walk and creating a workplace where people can sort of really be themselves, a diverse workplace. Um, and so um, we created a campaign this year and we just thought it would be sort of fun to just uh, flip on their head some of the stereotypes that people think are sort of classic leadership you know, leadership um, personality traits. And I think I mean, I, I personally, I don't know you, Laura, I had it growing up in the industry where you don't, there's not that many senior women above you mm. that you can model. Mm. Um, and there's certainly often not many women who, or not many people who show the kind of behaviours which maybe you naturally have. So, for example, I never thought I'd be a chief exec. I, I totally ruled that out. I thought I'd do MD because I just looked at people and I thought, I don't feel like I'm that kind of person and therefore my characteristics, I don't fit the mould, as it were. Um, what's
0: What's the mould? Explain.
2: Um, so classic, um, you know, over the age of thirty or thirty-five. If you heard this story, <laughs> as soon as you get, um, you know, passionate about something, or you, you know, there's some poor, poor mm-hmm. behaviours. You're being too emotional. You're being very emotional. Um, yeah. Don't be too loud. Lean in, but don't be too loud. Mm-hmm. Give people, give give people space to speak, but be firmer. Be tougher often told yes. you need to be tougher with people you need to be tougher yeah. with people
1: i actually with my you know experience she says i get a lot of women contact me directly one of the biggest things they say mm. is i've been told i'm not leadership material yeah. because you know because i'm too gentle
2: it's exactly it's exactly that. so we just sort of took those because I don't think those the truth is there's so many different types of leadership characteristic now and particularly younger people coming through men and women Mm -hmm. want to embrace a range of different leadership styles so we just picked some things like emotional vulnerable sensitive the kind of things that we'd all been called (laughs) in a not a positive way and and just kind of had some fun of flipping them on its head so it's just a campaign really intended to talk to all women in Omnicom women coming up through the ranks to go, the behaviors that you have, that the traits that you have, can be the traits of leaders, and maybe they're going to be your superpower. Actually, so it's just lines like a listener has the loudest voice, emotional keeps a keeps a clear head, and then we actually went out and interviewed lots of different people from from within the Omnicom network. Um, so from Silla Snowball to Afua Basoa, who's the amazing VP of Rabin Martin PR just to get them to talk about one of those things that that resonated with them. So mine was kind. Now, I'm not saying I'm like a paragon of kindness, but definitely outside work, you know, kindness is something you'd really look for in a person. Mm -hmm. And yet I was repeatedly told, even though I'd have tough conversations with clients, do redundancy conversations, that I needed to be tougher with people. I needed to be firmer with people. And the truth of it is, you know, Cillis Noble, I read something she said years ago, which is, if you're not yourself in a leadership role you'll drain your energy trying to be something else it will take all of your energy so eventually I just got to the point where I was like I'm just going to do this my way now whether or not that's going to be successful I couldn't possibly tell you but it's the only way I know to do it so we just did this campaign really just to show both men and women it's not a gender thing that actually there's a range of different characteristics Mm. and just because they might not hear them lauded and you know embraced or they might not see people more traditional in the industry that have those characteristics doesn't mean that they're not amazing leadership material. Yeah.
1: And I think actually, you know, as an as an industry, we need to to take a good hard look at what we do value as leadership. When um I was one of the you know the founders of the Great British Diversity Experiment a couple of years ago, which was a large practical experiment in why diverse teams make better work. Um, and actually looking at the work it was with Tesco, it was, you know, fantastic 250 volunteers. Um, And we had Flamingo coming in and actually doing all the research to show whether diverse teams actually made better work, what the hurdles were, why, why things stalled and why we weren't further than where we were. One of the biggest things that they found. So we ended up with 20 teams all working on this brief. We had two mentors per team. And mind you, these are people who genuinely believe in diversity, men and women who genuinely believe in diversity and the power of diversity and they're giving their time for free. But the teams that had mentors that led in that traditional top-down way could not cohere. They couldn't... Like, the, the benefit of having a really rich mixture of people in the team just could not come out. And the teams that absolutely smashed it had people in charge or sort of mentoring who we call clear enablers which are a lot of these kinds of traits that we see as as you know feminine traits but really it's just a different kind of leadership that yeah. actually gets more out of your team it's just that for some reason we've always thought that screaming at someone yeah. across the table is better than coaching someone to to help them get there themselves.
2: They talk now a lot about hero cultures versus host cultures, Mm -hmm. and there's lots of evidence um, and lots of research to say that uh, host cultures are more effective and particularly millennials gen z gen alpha coming up they want to be in an environment where they can bring out their best selves mm. rather than a kind of t- top down more command and control approach so this campaign kind of was just really you know just to shine a bit of a light on that and also just rather than going out and do something flashy for a brand externally just to do something yeah. with it within ourselves it's great
0: so has the pressure lessened Do you think oh, well let me ask two questions first of all Have you both felt pressure in your career as you've come up through the ranks to act like a man, if I can put it that way, in Uh, in terms of leadership?
1: I've certainly had, to your point, I I literally in my first very big job had someone come up to me and say, oh, you're actually really good, I thought you were just going to be nice. Um, (laughs) Thanks very much. (laughs) Um, And I think all... I guess kind of all women in those leaders, like us in our leadership positions at the moment, have probably had things like that that have happened to us in our careers. And what I'm passionate about, and I know you are too, is just removing some of that and lifting some other, you know, women and and others who haven't had a chance to shine, you know, into the into the spotlight. I don't think even young men want to act like no, a man, like whatever no. that is,
2: you know. I mean, I work with the Andy Jex, who's absolutely amazing, and he writes your a lot. Chief,
0: your chief creative my officer. My chief
2: creative officer. He has written a lot about being an introvert in an extrovert's mm. world. So just the power of listening and the power of being quiet as not being the traditional sort of mm-hmm. macho CD, it's my way or the highway kind of. So I just think it's it's just about allowing everyone to bring their own characteristics uh, into a workplace um, to create, exactly as you say, to to create a more diverse output.
0: I mean, Laura, you're a chief creative officer as well. I wonder if this whole masculinity thing has really had an impact on people who become creatives at ad agencies. you know, everyone's seen Mad Men, mm-hmm. and you think of the Don Draper stereotype, and you think about, you know, we've we've written a lot of articles on Campaign recently yeah. about the so-called creative rock star, yeah. And you just think about the kind of like this 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 man who's kind of like got bold ideas and kind of wants to tear things up. Um, do you think that stereotype is waning now? Do you think it ever was that strong?
1: Uh Yeah, I mean, growing up in the creative in a creative department, I can say. A, have been one of very very few women through my career brilliantly there are more women now but unfortunately we're still the least represented department in the industry you know one of the big challenges for women is being able to show their work as well because those top top jobs really only go to people uh who who are known for their work Um, And I see a lot of women who are, you know, they're kind of sitting at ACD, creative director level now, but the leap that they have to go is so far because they've had 15 years in the industry already where things have been changing, but not fast enough. And I think that's where, you know, that we need to do everything we can to kind of accelerate those women in those those leadership positions to, to really, really make that great change.
0: Mm. Um, Sarah, what about um, for planners, you have a background as a strategist. Um, Is it any easier for women who go into that side of advertising?
2: It's interesting. I think um, I think planning and client service have always had a greater proportion of women within them. And it's actually interesting when you look around now, I think uh, all three Omnicom agencies, all four Omnicom agencies, so Lucky Generals, TBWA, Adam and Eve and DDB, all have female CEOs. So actually, I think coming up through the sort of client service side into agency leadership mm. that, that women are more able now to... Um, you know, to demonstrate their skills and to get to that top seat. But I think I think Laura's right, with creative, you are judged on your book, you are judged yeah. on your work. So you, women need to be given opportunities to build that body of work. So you know, we just need to create, be able to create environments where a range of different people can come in and do different working patterns. And, and for creatives, for example, you've got to go away on long shoots, yeah. um, which is just a super practical thing. If you're a man or a woman and you're, you know, your day-to-day life doesn't accommodate that, then th- you need to find a way around yeah. it.
0: Right, after a quick interlude, Uh, We're going to talk about why flexible working is no longer just a mum thing. Now, Mr President has launched flexible working for all staff and warned the ad industry... That flexible working should not be regarded as a mum thing, Laura oh explain we did flexible working last week, and it was a very interesting discussion mm. and you know if you haven 't listened yep. to last week 's episode, um, but I want to get it into it again because are are you the first ad agency to be fully flexible for all staff
1: i mean as far as far as we know, I always hate to say we 're the first of anything because you know you, you never can tell, but you know we we 've always had a culture that embraces flexibility. Um and you know we're a female majority female founded agency, and we have lots of women and lots of mums in the agency and I think all of us have had an experience of uh if if not discrimination, then uh you know kind of being looked down upon because of of flexible working or for kid you know looking after kids in in particular um but flexible working is not about that and anything that we can do to remove that stigma, I think is super, super important. You know, we um really believe that everyone has things in their lives that they want to do and you make a incredibly, you know, creative and enthused and energetic and brilliant workforce if everyone's got the opportunity to go off and do what they want to do. Our industry is terrible about treating our staff like children and having this parent-child relationship where not only are you clocking people in and out, but you know, everything is looked down upon from above. um, And it it doesn't benefit anyone. And it doesn't encourage, I guess, a culture of responsibility for yourself and for the work.
0: And of course, um, you are an independent creative agency. um, And you're now empowering all of your employees to work away from the office as they want. You're not allowing anyone to book office meetings between 10am and 5pm.
1: Well, outside of those hours, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's not just to support, you know, working mums. No, and I and... think
1: that's I think that's really important, and I don't know whether you want to talk to it too, Sarah, but it's so important that this is not a mum thing. No, I mean,
2: making it a mum thing for a start suggests that the burden of childcare should sit on mums, mm-hmm. which mm. there are massive issues <laughs> with, many issues with. Um, but um, you know, we have we have lots of people who choose to work flexibly at, uh, at TVWA. Some are men. Some are women, and uh, only about 50% of them have kids, actually. So we have people who just want to do something else on that other day, be it screenwriting or just... You know, some people live outside London. They want to be travelling on those days. Lots and lots of different reasons. We don't have a we don't have a set policy. We do it on a case by case basis. Mm. Um, but it absolutely it absolutely shouldn't be a shouldn't be just a mum thing. No.
0: And how much uh, leeway do you have? Obviously, TBWA being part of Omnicom, how much flexibility do you have to have flexibility for staff? We
2: do, we have complete flexibility. In fact, the classic more than I thought. The classic example of that is when we changed our uh, parental leave policy when I joined. Um, and uh, because we basically cut a long story short I I offered a job to a lady who'd recently got married she in the end didn't accept the job because she wanted to have children um, in the next couple of years and we didn't offer enhanced maternity pay unless she'd been there for two years of service Mm -hmm. and so Andy and Anna my CCO and CSO just said to me just change it I was like, I can't change it. i mean, in Omnicom. Turns out we just could. So we changed it. So anyone, man or woman, you can come in, you can be pregnant, first day, have a baby, you can get all your enhanced pay because why hold your career yeah. back during that period of time? The key thing is it has to work for our clients. That's the main thing. So I think it, it, it's important if you're going to, uh, you know, allow someone to work flexibly, you've got to set them up for success. Mm-hmm. So don't put them on a client which wants, you know, is based in LA that wants to have calls at 9, 10 in the evening. Or, you know, maybe they don't want to be on something where you've got really short fast turnaround you know government pieces of work so you, you really have to have to uh, set someone up to, with a working pattern that can work for the yeah. client that they're working and on.
1: actually not the, just the individual uh, one of the you know the great things at mr. P is that our teams are structured in such a way that they're you know they're, there's always someone there that can kind of help and keep things rolling if you're not there or if you're working in a different way as well so it's about that team building making sure you know everyone is on top of the project, you know, there's some great bits of technology that allow people to do that really, really easily, which I don't think we use enough, actually, in the, the industry.
0: And um, how have, um, Laura, how are clients taken into it? You're in a client service industry. Absolutely. How, did you consult them before you rolled out this policy?
1: The most important thing for us and for our clients is the quality of the work that they receive from the agency. You know, the, the creativity, the focus, you know, the, the the quality is is the thing that's really, really important. Not how many hours someone is in the office so our clients are you know really excited about the fact that we're able to implement um flexible working because it actually makes the work better not worse and and you know they're going to be able to see that and as i said you know it's important to have a policy uh which was you know which was announced yesterday because there are people in agencies who otherwise wouldn't ask. And to be able to say to everyone, there is a policy here and you can take flexible working is important. But we've always had a culture of flexible working. So I think, you know, there's no big shock to any of our clients about suddenly there are people not in, not in the office or not doing what have you. Because um, because we treat our staff like, like grown-ups and we expect that grown-up excellent quality work off the back of that.
0: What about younger people, Sarah? I think of younger people in particular who are just starting off on their careers, maybe, and they might be looking for more support within an office. And obviously, flexible working. If you're a bit more, if you're further down your career, you might have other things going on. You're less in less need of that support. It's fine for you. But what about should that should? Do you think there needs to be a minimum cohort of people in an office in order so you can give support to younger staff?
2: Yeah, I think that's right. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's binary um So I think you've talked, Laura, about there. Are, you know, you've got court hours probably when yeah. certain when certain people yeah, are in. Um, I, I also don't necessarily think that it's you know younger people need more support and older people don't. So I work four days a week, and those four days I am absolutely full on. So I am older and I do have a family, but I am a hundred percent committed to my job. So you know those four days I'm a hundred percent in that office for quite long hours. Similarly, there will be teams where those teams need to come together and do work together Absolutely. and, you know, look at things on a Mac and on a screen. So there will be core hours when they maybe need to be there. Same for training, same for team building, you know, all of those all, you know, working in a cohort, in a cooperative um, way with passion and vision and shared values is really important. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's sitting at a desk from 8.45 Absolutely. until 6.45. So I think it's it's a blend of both, both for clients and individuals. Because you're right, people starting out, they want to be around. A, they mm-hmm. want to be part of a gang. Um, they also want to be around people. Same for me. You know, I choose to be in the office for those four days because I want to soak in the vibe of the yeah. place. I want to see what's going on. I want to see clients face to face. So I don't think it's one thing or the other. And mm-hmm. that's why... You know, we don't have a fixed policy. We do it on a team-by-team, case-by-case basis for whatever works for those particular plants. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I would say, you know, there's a a world of difference between flexible working and remote working. They're not in any way the same thing. And I'd never advocate necessarily for remote working because you miss out on all that creativity and the... You know, I was talking about diversity before and how, how incredible the work is if you're bringing other minds together. And that's super important. What flexible working does is say... You have some control over your own life mm. and uh, and the way that you want to balance things and I trust you to be at work when you need to be at work to be in meetings when you need to be in meetings, but to you know not not expect to have to be there because i've told you so mm. it's interesting someone asked me on uh, Twitter the other day
2: um, why me and a few other people said why don't agencies have um, childcare facilities I know places like Accenture do. And I said, actually, I looked at it with the support of the partners when I was a mother. But actually, what that really means is schlepping your kids into central London mm-hmm. um, on the tube. You have to have outside space. You know, agencies probably wouldn't provide a particularly nice. Ch- you know, it wouldn't be as nice as taking them to, a, you know, a designed childcare thing. And actually, the solution there is isn't agencies building childcare facilities. It's to allow more flexibility about when you can come in and out of the office, mm-hmm. so you can drop your kids <laughs> off and pick them up at reasonable time so yeah. it's just you know there is, it's no one size fits all but it is it is flexibility around one's life that allows you to do your job better yeah
0: mm. and so is there more to come from the flexible working policy of mr president or is that done for it's- now
1: Early days in terms of it, you know, the, the formality of it, but it's it's working really well, uh, and we're going to be talking at Ad Week on the nineteenth, actually, Advertising the... Week Europe in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, a panel called uh, "The Future of Work Is Human," which will actually be talking a little bit more about that with some really interesting uh, panelists.
0: Mm, Very good. Uh, Yes, Advertising Week Europe in a couple of weeks and I believe it's still going ahead despite all the coronavirus fears. It seems that um, international conferences um, are falling by the wayside. Um, hopefully, Advertising Week will still be going ahead. Uh, right, let's move on to a couple of other stories in brief this week. Um, TikTok's user base will pass 10 million users by next year, eMarketer is forecasting. Um, it's a sign that the, plat- for the platform could be broadening its popularity beyond teens. Do you guys use TikTok? Is it is it showing up in? Have you done? Uh, Sarah, I know that TBWA is TikTok's agency in Asia. Yeah, they're a client of
2: ours in Asia, and mm. you know we've got three offices out in China. Absolutely massive out there. I mean, we haven't done any TikTok specific campaigns for clients in the UK, but it's such a fun and flexible platform. I just can't see that it's not going to keep on going. Yeah.
1: It's just, it's just so much fun. It is just so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Much much do much you fun. T- are you
0: on TikTok, Laura?
1: I, I, um, I have a tween, so. Uh, I see a lot of TikTok and actually like, there's loads of TikTok going on in the office. I'm not on TikTok because I would be a, a, a dad dancer, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still mourning the loss of all the uh, the
2: Vine-specific comedians when Vine closed oh, down. Know. So yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> But it is, it kind of feels like it's fine again.
0: Certainly a source of new creativity, I think, in social media, which yeah. is much needed, much interesting. Social media on the whole hasn't really changed in the last 10 years. Apart from Instagram becoming, you know, more, you know, the stories format is, is obviously increasingly popular. But, you know, Twitter is still Twitter. Facebook is still Facebook. Um, it, and
2: I think, we see the, I think we see the more mature social channels really settling into what they, what they do brilliantly or what people use that platform yeah. for. So, you know, Twitter is kind of, there's a lot of debate. Instagram is really, really lifestyle mm-hmm. with the stories format in there. So actually, I think TikTok coming out as a sort of, you know, fun entertainment platform
1: is yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's really what separates it, isn't it? Yeah. It's just the it's pure entertainment. Um, interpretive rappers, by the way, look them up on TikTok because they're really, really funny. Interpretive <laughs> rappers. Rest of day lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've only got about 20, uh, 20 films, but they're they're great. Are they the people who um who kind of signline? No, they sit in their car and they uh, just do really weird. It's not really rap because they just make noise. It's stupid <laughs> but great. <laughs>
0: And also, um, interesting story out of Wonderhood, uh, the new independent agency led by ex Channel 4 leader David Abraham, um, a creative team hijacked the covers of celebrity and gossip magazines to raise awareness of the harmful impact that media can have on people's mental health. Now, do you think this is going to become more of a thing in terms of um, these? these...
2: It's really interesting. It's obviously such a... um... Uh, it's an area with so many sort of different interests that sit within it, whether or not advertisers can call out different media platforms. I know that The Guardian recently has said that they're not going to take, you talked about it last week, not going to take mm-hmm. any sort of fossil fuel... Um, Uh, advertising dollars. Um, What I thought was really interesting is, did you see the stuff from the Bristol Post this week? Somehow, actually, the the local news is just so much bolder about it. So Greta Thunberg went to Bristol. I saw that there um, was a rally,
0: uh, a march last week. So they did a march, but basically a
2: number of people... um, Uh, on social media, predominantly white men, the Bristol Post pulled out, many of them were children of their own, um, gave violent threats to, uh, public violent threats, inciting violence towards Mm. that. The Bristol Post just published them. They just named and shamed them. There was like eight pictures. They said, these are the people. This is what they said. This is what they wrote. (laughs) And everyone was like... Good on you, Bristol Post, you know. And it's just really interesting. It's, you just start to see, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of challenge around it. But but how and when and where can people start to call out people for unacceptable, trolling, um, abusive behaviour on mm. in social media? And I just thought, it's the first time I've seen, you know, yeah. a, a local publication really just name and shame in that way. I thought, yeah. good yeah. on them.
0: Do you know the, the really interesting thing about this, what these creatives did, um, these are... Um, this show and Phil LeBron. I hope I pronounced that correctly, you guys. Um, they've put on stickers that look like mm. um, these cigarette health warnings. And um, these messages say things like, contain stories seriously damaging to mental health. And another one is full of harmful and toxic messages. That's absolutely now, true. Surely these magazines, as well as some news brands, uh, um, because of the clickbaity things that they do in order to chase readers online, their online publications have been quite different to their print publications. And these guys have targeted the print publications, but what I'm suggesting is surely it's Mm -hmm. online which is really supercharged the trolling and all the things you're talking about.
1: But I mean, in terms of uh, like um, images of women, it is just um, it's just abuse of women, kind of coddled in this like shell shell of of, uh, of, of lightweight gossip. But I think you know, in terms of what uh, I. Imagining is is not a super senior creative team, an agency in London can do to get publicity to bring to account some of these publications. They're not going to get a shoe-in online in a way that they've done here. So I think as a campaign, uh, you know, good on them, actually.
0: Mm. Now, I'm not going to let you guys get away without talking about the work before we wrap Mm. up. Let's start with Marmite. I don't know if you see this by Adam and Eve DDB. Uh, So this ad... Starts off like a standard ad for the AA, mm-hmm. but then it changes. It changes into an ad for Marmite. yeah, the blip, blip where, a yeah, <laughs> the <blipvert laughs> where it appears to be doing mind control on <laughs> you. On. Yum yum. Search AA breakdown now, or visit the AA dot com. Marmite. Uh, guys, what do you think?
1: I mean, look, it's f- it's fun. I actually, you know, I I love the work that adam and eve do for marmite i think it's a super fun brand um it's kind of slightly um kind of tainted or like i guess it's slash jealous in a way because we made a mr p christmas card a couple of years ago where we hypnotized people to believe in santa um but you know good on them for actually doing something with a client that's uh, that, that, that's that much fun and um, I think you know as an extension of it it's just it's it's really fun
0: and how hard is it to get two brands to work together like that
1: oh I mean there'd be so many grey hairs yeah. have been created during
2: the process <laughs> of this campaign I would guess it's really it is really hard I agree with Laura it's it's a bit of fun it's not a big purposeful piece of work I don't think it's going to radically shift the needle on the brand but do you know what, it's a, it's a super cute idea and yeah. it will have been really hard to get out the door and it's the kind of idea which you could come up with and really easily just it fall to the side. But Absolutely. someone 100%. there has gone, do you know what, we're going to do this, we're going to yeah. push, we're going to talk to the AA yeah. team um, and they've and they've kept on going with it. It's hard yeah. to get any work out nowadays so to get something out like this with a partnership in it, yeah, good on them, good yeah. on them.
0: Really interesting. I wonder if we'll see more brands do that in future. Um, let's also talk about three who've come out with a new <laughs> campaign for I uh, love it. the <laughs> real... <laughs> So, this is this I'm, is real five G. Yeah. Um, this has been going on for a while. This this phones are goods yeah. campaign, and um, they've given what, um, what I think we can kindly say is an optimistic glimpse into Britain's five G future. It is predicted that the future of Britain sucks. Uh, hey, UK,
2: you OK, hon? Hold on to your crumpets. Three's building the UK's fastest 5G network. I mean, ever since they gave us the kind of weird singing cherries, I mean, how many years ago was that <laughs> as wide Like, you know, uh... I uh, uh, we are in a... We've just spent, you know, 50 minutes talking about some quite serious issues which mm-hmm. are important and there's a lot of societal things going on. And then sometimes you just need a bit of complete Silliness, and who doesn't love a woman, f- a female robot air stewardess's face opening <laughs> up to offer your hot towel? I mean, I love the fact that they, they don't even bother in this one, kind of going. Don't worry, the future's all going to be fine. They mm. just paint this kind of yeah. totally insane, bonkers, hilarious, and terrifying reality. Spend three minutes crafting it and just put it out there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's super bold and it's just yeah. not pretending to be, you know, having a serious point of view on technology's impact. Exactly. On I'm, people. I'm sitting at
1: the end of it going, I don't, you know, what the fuck is 5G? <laughs> 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 but I want some. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it's just, it's just, it's great to see creative agencies making pieces of work that just stand out
0: yeah yeah and um uh, i've not talked to the guys at widening kennedy about this but uh, i i have some sympathy with them because it just seems like these telecom brands don't have a lot to say nowadays and so 5g is sort of this massive fig leaf that they're all using to hide the fact that they don't really have a lot of differentiation Mm. and wanted to talk to bt unscripted Someone has just told me this. Written by the biggest brains in football data. Everything. This uh,
1: look, I know this isn't something that's been kind of out there in the last yeah, week. So this
0: was. This was. Um. This came out last year by Wonderman Thompson. Yeah. Was, yeah. But yeah.
1: I, you know, I was having a little bit of a a poke around. You know, around kind of things that that have really stood up for me in the last year. And there are some. You know, there are some lovely pieces of work. You know, I love the. You know, still love the the Wendy's fortnight thing. Um, uh, what have you. But, you know, I think uh, I just wanted to big them up because it's such a lovely idea, such a great idea to use the AI to write the entire script as if it's a film for, you know, Premiership and Europa League and Champions League for the whole year and get it out on, you know, to a 1,000 people on bits of paper Mm. and the furor it caused and the conversations that it caused because, of course, everyone's passionate about football and can't believe what's in in there, but of course, because it's written by an AI, there's no one to get angry with apart from, you know, ah. Oh, do they know the future? Do they not know the future? It just, I just thought as an influencer campaign in this era where influencer campaigns can be incredibly, incredibly dull—they're as dull as everything else in, on the internet often—just um, just really lit a fire under people, like I haven't seen for a while, and actually it was a really great sort of kick-off starting point then for the BT unscripted campaign that came mm. off the
0: back of it. I, I did write about that for campaign, that ad, that ad campaign. What I really like about it is the, the brand was confident enough to to give it over to people out there yeah. to make the campaign their own yeah. in a way. So the, their reactions to it is all part of the campaign. And you really start to see the BT brand as a fan because other fans mm-hmm. are doing that. It feels authentic. And you, you talk about influencer marketing um, being boring. And I think that's because we rely... The industry in its, you know, so far has relied too much on celebrity-led influencer marketing. Absolutely.
1: Like, you know, you're kind of told a lot of the time now that, you know, UGC doesn't work anymore. And so there's yeah. no point getting ordinary people to talk about stuff because it won't make an impact. And I just thought this was brilliant.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, before we wrap up, um, what what are, what are you up to for the rest of the week, Sarah? And what, um, what inspirations do you have for listeners?
2: Well, I would just say, if you haven't looked at the Girls, Girls, Girls film... Um, from Girls magazine with Cynthia Nixon in just be a lady. Just go and watch it. This so Cynthia Women's Nixon
0: from Sex and the City. From Sex
2: and the City, looking like smokingly oh amazing. Um, it's so she's reading out a sort of long blog blog post that was um, that, that was done a while ago, um, and it just encapsulates everything we've been talking about. It's a beautifully crafted piece of film. It's a great performance, um, and it really just sums up both through the visuals and through the words and the delivery how bloody hard it is to get it right. Don't be too fat. Don't be too thin. Yeah. Don't eat carbs. Oh, you look you look amazing. Men like a bit of meat on them. Don't be too sexy. Don't be too... It just it's just a great, really impactful piece of film. So anyone who hasn't seen it, man or woman, just just give it a Google. It's a
1: good piece of film.
0: Yeah. Mm. And Laura, what's getting your creative juices flowing right oh, now? You
1: know what? Something that is not advertising at all. So I'm, I'm off tomorrow to Iceland to Ooh. speak at IMARC which is the big advertising and design festival there, which is super exciting. Um, and uh, the only thing I've been sent a thousand times this week, which I love, is the Icelandic Eurovision entry, yeah. which is just the best thing I've ever seen. Are they, are they, they, are they, are they the ones that always it? do a
0: good entry? Whether well, it's... you know,
1: they have done some good entries in the past, but I think that this one it absolutely smashes it both the live video, but, but the, the the music video that they made for it is just utterly Genius. brilliant, and if yeah. Yeah, I wish I'd done that.
0: (laughs) Mm, Iceland. We can
1: recreate it. You and I. (laughs) Do
0: your own. Right. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you to our guests, Sarah and Laura, today. And of course, the team at number eight. Make sure you join us next week for a special edition of the campaign podcast when we'll be discussing and revealing Agency of the Year. Plus, an exclusive interview with the new editor-in-chief of Campaign, who I can't reveal right now at the time of recording, but news of that might well have gone out by the time we do our next episode next week, Thursday. So until next week, have a lovely day, listener, wherever you are. Please do subscribe if you're a first-time listener and visit campaignlive.co.uk to read more about these advertising industry stories and the latest ad campaigns. Goodbye.
1: Bye. Bye.